Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. The Ad News Podcast, the podcast that celebrates the industry's penchant for a sociable drop and a chat. Hello and welcome to the Ad News Podcast. I'm Pippa Chambers, the online editor of Ad News. In today's podcast, I'm joined by Rosie Baker, the editor of Ad News, and Emily Parrott, the MD of Clemenger, Sydney. Hi guys, thanks for joining me today in the Ad News Podcast. Hello. Thanks for having me. Okay, so I think it's best to start with a bit of a light-hearted question. Um, So I'm going to ask you both, uh, I guess, what book are you reading at the moment is always kind of a good one to start with with emily is there anything there is nothing light-hearted about the novel i'm reading at the moment which is (laughs) terrible it's called the world without us it's a victorian book um but i've had to take a small break it's basically about a family that have been poleaxed by grief so i've been watching a load of ninja warrior instead and finding that's taking the edge off wow nice bit of contrast there it's important there's not much light-hearted in the book I'm reading either because I just reread The Handmaid's Tale so I could start watching the season on TV when it came on On Demand for SBS. So I've just finished watching that and it's not light-hearted either. Oh, nice, We're nice. Um, what I, are you reading, Pippa? Well, I'm I'm actually probably a bit late to the game, so I'm reading uh, the Cheryl Sandberg's Lean In. So I know everyone read it a good, good probably a couple of years ago. So I've just started that. Um, so I'm leaning in very much. Um, so yeah, I guess we're going to start, Emily. I guess a bit of background about yourself and how you kind of got into the industry. Obviously, you know, very well known in the industry, and you know, a, a great agency. Do you want to just kind of take us back a little bit and tell us how you got into advertising? Yeah, sure. Uh, It's a slightly odd story in that I was meant to be an environmental scientist and obviously messed that up quite badly. So (laughs) before I went to uni, I went and started answering the phone. So I was on reception at a sports sponsorship and marketing agency and decided that uh, my full-time job afforded me a Daihatsu charade and all sorts of other fancy perks, so I would keep it, um, and went to uni at night instead and worked my way up in that agency from reception to kind of senior account manager or whatever it was at the time. Uh, and then left there, started, worked at another startup for about a year or so in the same sort of promo below-the-line events space, then moved to the UK, and that was probably the first job that that I took in an advertising agency proper, as it were, as one of their first integrated suits. So the one who was wheeled into the very TV-centric agency at the time to be like, hey, guys, direct can be cool. Um, And was sort of one of their first... (laughs) uh, It took a little bit of work. So there was a lot of, hey, direct and digital is great. We should do this. Um, But it was was actually really good fun. And I learned a lot there about, I suppose, the proper strategic and creative work and that sort of thing. And it, it went from there, really. 
And how long were you in the UK for before? About four years and then uh, came home, worked at Host for a couple of years and have been at Clem since 2010, which is kind of terrifying. We found some photos on the server not that long ago from 2011 and yeah. Send them, send them through to A Adney long time ago. Yeah, we'll have to take a look at those. <laughs> I don't, nice. Yeah, I don't think that's a great idea. Um, but yeah, it's been seven years now and I've been, I started as a GAD there uh, and have been in the MD role for the last year or just over a year. Obviously, as I say, Rosie and I, we're both from the UK. Is there anything you miss? Obviously, it hasn't lured you back there. Any Anything that you miss? And was there any like major learnings about that working in the industry in another country? Is there any kind of key, uh, key things that stand out? I think the vibe of English agencies is relatively similar to Australian ones. So I spent a bit of time in the States as well, and that was probably a tiny bit too professional for me in terms of <laughs> the amount of time spent in kind of, you know, corporate parks in Minneapolis and, and all of that sort of thing. So it's kind of nice because you can come home and, and it doesn't really feel like too much of a of a culture shock. I definitely miss some individual clients. Um, so I worked with some really, really lovely people over there. And yeah, but it's um, it's not too different in a lot of ways. Just eat less mayonnaise. <laughs> And so obviously you're now in the MD role at Cleminger, but you've literally worked your way up from reception. How do you think that that kind of set you up to be in a leadership position in the agency world? Because we talk about this a lot, that there there aren't many women in those kind of roles. There's more and more, but not many. How do you think literally starting and climbing away up the ladder helped you? Uh, I think it definitely helps now that I've got sort of responsibility broader than account management to have an understanding and empathy of the way the whole thing works and to have sort of touched on you know, junior production kind of gigs and, and all of that sort of thing. So that's been really helpful. Um, I also, I don't know, I suppose it just means I'm not terribly, I don't know, I'm not terribly precious about stuff like that. So Clems is a pretty relaxed culture and that's good. It's not overly hierarchical or, you know, there's not terrible sort of department divides and, and all of that sort of thing. So it's, um, yeah, it's good to have a bit of experience beyond just your own discipline before you blaze into, into that role. Um, given, I guess, obviously you're in a super senior position and, you know, the limelight is constantly on, uh, you know, many industries, but specifically within advertising as well about women in leadership positions and how they can kind of climb the ranks and how they get there. And, and obviously lots of discussion about is there enough senior women? Um, obviously, I'm sure you've got a lot of different views on that. But in terms of um, your role and kind of you, you, I guess, having a responsibility to other people looking to kind of climb that ladder, is there anything that you're kind of doing or, or helping uh, kind of achieve that? Uh, yeah, there's a, look, there's a load of stuff. I think gender diversity is obviously still a pretty big issue in, in our industry and in a handful of others. I think that diversity beyond that is also really important and we kind of need to shift the chat from just gender diversity into diversity proper in advertising agencies. You know, they tend to be pretty white, pretty well-off um, and sort of male-dominated places and that's not and reflective. pretty young too. Yeah, and yeah, incredibly young. I mean, we joke, I mean, it's a terrible joke, but when we did the agency circle um, survey and there was literally one respondent above 55 in the Clemenger BBDA numbers and Robert Morgan asked me about it and I was like, oh, I'm sorry, Robert, uh, you're not statistically viable as a sample, so we haven't, <laughs> we haven't been able to factor uh, your point of view into the results, but you know, that's kind of scary. Yeah, because that's, that's a reality, right? Like, it's, it's kind of amusing to make those quips, but it is the reality that there are The drop-off after very 40 is crazy, and the amount of experienced people that we lose to other industries or other roles is is kind of terrifying. 
So people talk, I think, a lot about younger talent being attracted to other jobs in sort of new media or tech companies and all that sort of thing. That's kind of true. I think more terrifying is the drop-off of senior talent. So that sort of 35 to 40 mark tends to be when a lot of people are, for whatever reason, saying, this is no longer for me. And we lose some pretty pretty amazing experience there. I mean, we'll kind of come back to talking about the sort of gender equality thing, because that is the kind of, seems to be the biggest sort of um, topic that's on people's minds. But looking at the sort of the age diversity, how do we tackle that as an industry? Like, how do we make sure that we that we do keep on that senior talent, that, that it's an attractive industry, that there's still sort of the jobs and the flexibility there, and, you know, that people are enticed to stay beyond that point? Oddly enough, I think you've kind of got to do that individual by individual because what people want from their work from their lives from the balance between the two is so different so family's kind of the the obvious one and that's a real exit point for a lot of women and coming back into the industry isn't always made that easy mm. from that point of view but also you know organizations don't offer identical benefits for mums and dads so until that balances out and childcare can genuinely be equal, then there'll always be an inherent bias in the way that families are making decisions about who comes back and who will be the sort of primary breadwinner for that, you know, five-year period or whatever it is while, while little people are little. Because I was actually at a uh, senior women in media and marketing event last night and they, the same topic came up and it was talking about the talent crisis and an argument put forward by Sarah Wise, um, founder of Wise Women. She was saying they're actually, while there is a talent shortage, she doesn't think it's as bad as we make out. It's just that those talented people, the people with the expertise and the skills, they don't want to work Monday to Friday, nine to five. They want to work part-time or they want to do se- separate hours yeah. so while Brilliant. people are arguing oh there isn't the talent maybe you know these job roles need to be shaped and, and and you know I guess advertised differently I think so and I think we just need to be a bit more open-minded about uh about hours and our expectations of people there is nothing productive about people sitting at their desks for eight hours a day particularly you know our jobs tend to be collaborative and on the move anyway I think it's an illusion to kind of go, if I can see you all, then everyone is working really hard and managers just need to be better at measuring output. I honestly couldn't give a shit where people are or what hours they're working, if they'd rather do a block in the morning and a block in the evening. It doesn't doesn't really matter as long as the job's getting done. And Mm. I think we just need more and more examples of where that has succeeded. Are people asking that? Are people saying, coming up and saying, oh, do you know, I know I normally do this, but can I do this? Is it people asking or is it, or is it kind of Some, case by case basis? Because I can imagine also there's a certain element to you're in the office, you're all, a, you know, a team, you're working the same hours. And, th- and if there's a couple of people that keep leaving at three or something, you know, could it cause unease? It's like, how, how do you kind of manage that flexibility in a, a particularly in an agency, for example, that maybe hasn't done it so much in the yeah. past or... The first thing you probably need is a few active and successful case studies of it so people can see that happening and know that it's okay. So often the people who aren't brilliant self-managers and therefore might take the piss out of that kind of arrangement are the ones that are comfortable asking and the people who you would absolutely go, brilliant, do whatever you need, I know that you'll get the job done are the ones who don't. So you, you kind of have to actively coax that out of some people or put options in front of people or examples of others that that are doing it to make it feel acceptable i think that we've also just got to watch casual 
bias you know so often dad leaves early to go and pick up the kids or is late having done the school run and everyone's like oh you're such a wonderful hands-on sort of three men and a baby like hero <laughs> mum does the same thing and it's like oh yeah i knew she wasn't going to be able to handle it leaving and early it's, again it's a really really strange mm. thing to watch because the people who make those throwaway comments if you sat them down and asked them what they thought about it they'd be horrified yeah. and they don't really realize that it's happening so there's mm. some some stuff like that that you need to keep a watch on and make sure that people know that's not that's not cool mm-hmm. or accurate you know mm. like i know we touched on briefly there the agency circle for those listening that maybe aren't as across it can we perhaps get a bit of a summary of of the state of play with the agency circle and just kind of how that came about and if there's any development yeah so that was actually that was born out of a round table that rosie organized what a year ago I think it was more than that now, actually. I think it yeah. might be coming up like 18 months ago. So there were a group of agencies that sat down to have a chat about some of the issues that we're all dealing with in terms of diversity. Uh, and we decided off the back of that to get a voluntary body together. So not-for-profit group um, of creative agencies that are all interested in, I suppose, turning the chat around diversity, because there's heaps of it, uh, into real action and to try and measure that in a way that made us all a little bit more accountable so moving from that sort of climate change style banter like in theory that's all great and i recycle to actually tracking um agency progress and opening up just a bit of a forum for us to be able to talk to each other about it honestly away from the day-to-day fray and competitive stuff and you know the pitching and all of that stuff that that we get up to so it's been really good so i think what was really interesting that came out of that discussion however long ago it was was that kind of desire for the people in the room to want to actually turn it into action rather than just Mm -hmm. kind of sit around and talk about it all again in 12 months because I think that you know no one's going to sit there and sort of say that they're not interested in making things a bit more equal a bit more diverse and kind of improving things for everyone in the industry and I think that what um what Emily and Michelle O'Neill who was in that discussion who was previously at VCCP were very sort of good at actually turning that into a kind of a benchmark and a sort of or a, a kite mark for agencies to say do you know what we're a part of this and this is what we believe in and it kind of it's a saying that overtly you stand for that and believe in it and I think that that was really good that it kind of actually did turn into an action rather than just more talk yeah and look it's it's good to have the first benchmark we won't know how everyone's going until we do the survey again in October of this year and we'll have a whole load of other agencies that are interested in joining and um, who are going to be a part of that which is brilliant it doesn't really matter with I think the other thing is that people are kind of scared to talk about uh, their real figures and real actions and what they're doing in their organisations for fear of criticism, but inside that circle, so none of the info sort of leaves that room except for the aggregated results, and it allows us just to chat and compare notes, you know. So what have you done to the way you're interviewing? We've done this, want to have a look? you know? And there's a trading of, of info and just making sure that 12 agencies aren't sort of running off doing exactly the same thing because that's not a brilliant use of of any of our time really are you finding that there is a kind of um natural natural sort of ability or appetite for being able to share those things because you know agencies in in every sort of sense in every area of business are very competitive there's a lot of sort of you know this is this is my patch this is your patch and you know it comes naturally because say hello to a new era of mental health care Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both, 
in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Of new, new business pitches and that kind of thing that everyone needs their, their piece of turf. But is that kind of falling away naturally when you're kind of discussing these kind of things? I think that, oh yeah, look, I mean, it's a brilliantly... It's a brilliant group of agencies, but we are all pitching against each other all the time. Right? So it is quite funny because you need to leave that at the door before you walk into into any of those meetings. But I think we agreed up front that it was a group that was going to sort of sit above all of that day-to-day stuff. And hopefully, you know, pitches will come and go and they'll be done in three months and the world moves on. But some of the changes that we're trying to make in all of the organisations that we work for will last a lot longer and everyone's been pretty cool about that i mean i guess sort of carry on extending on from that topic um we know that uh you know gender has become such a big issue across the industry and some of the questions we've got an ad news linkedin group and we're trying to like build that build out that group of of women and strong females in the industry so that we almost you know to make sure that we've got that kind of necessary pool and a lot of conversations have been going on in there and one of the things that actually came up was about um women feeling that they have to justify why their voices are so important in the industry for example if it's speaking at an event or if it's kind of a you know how do we make sure we're being heard um and a couple of comments came back from that saying actually you know this shouldn't be the case women shouldn't have to justify why their voices are so important um any kind of views on that in terms of what's the alternative so for example of you know putting women forward in more events so companies kind of saying oh you know instead of having we've got a guy here you know instead of you know kind of I guess trying to like broaden the the kind of the talent pool from where um you know where we're kind of getting men and and women from yeah look I'd like to think that philosophically we've well and truly won that argument you know there aren't many people that you would sit down now and go how do you feel about equality and they'd be like not for me yeah Yeah, that's not (laughs) that's not a great or and thankfully not a terribly common point of view on the world anymore I think um I do think that managers need to acknowledge that different people um different people will approach their own career and career development in different ways so the way that agencies historically managed staff is pretty self-managed right it's a uh here's our culture here's a kind of set of behavioral values that we'd like you to operate within but otherwise do what you need to do to get the the job done um and what what we found is that that's probably a bit too loose because what it does is it favors either the overly confident or the squeaky wheels or you know like so the way that career progression then and that sort of thing works or some of those opportunities work is that the loudest voice is the one that um, is getting some of those opportunities. So Clint, who you guys know, and yeah. uh, we've been working really closely together on 
a new way of managing everyone. So there's no annual reviews, that sort of pointless 12-month-old document where you sort of sit down and go, nine months ago you kind of botched that meeting. And you're like, mm. oh, fuck, like, I really hope everyone would have moved on by now. Mm. <laughs> Those aren't terribly productive So what happens discussions. So they've been replaced with monthly coaching and kind of fluid goals for everyone that are attached to the agency goals. So if, you're, if one of your goals was about profile, because you are, I don't know, sort of senior account director or GAD level and you really want to start sharing your point of view on the industry with a broader audience, we might put in there finding opportunities for you to do that and then you'd work through it that way. But it means that every manager is having that conversation with every individual rather than it just being those who are a bit more proactive or confident, mm, right. which I is think, good because it draws everyone out. I think that's really good about drawing people out of what might be their kind of natural comfort zone because mm-hmm. I think something that I like sort of hear a lot from people is that um this is again a sweeping generalization but you often feel that if if we sort of approach people to interview them very rarely will a male that we ask to to sort of comment on a topic say no that that's not their area of expertise and they won't comment on it but quite often women even women in very senior roles who are very very sort of capable in their roles and they're, they're clearly very switched on very smart they will often draw back a bit from that and sort of say, oh, I'm not sure if I know everything about that subject rather mm-hmm. than just kind of, you know, going with it. And I think that that's something that's inherent in, you know, gender much more broadly than our industry, but in society, yeah. because we haven't often been sort of schooled or brought up with those those levels of kind of confidence to push it. So I think that it kind of is an, a, almost a natural gender split where it shouldn't be. And I think that anything that kind of coaches anyone out of what isn't their sort of natural comfort zone to push them forwards is a good thing. Yeah, there is. I mean, that it, it sounds like a generalisation, but there's data to back that, right? So it's something like if there's a list of 10 things in a job description, women would wait until they could do all 10, maybe 11, and then go, I'm ready. And men, generally speaking, at 6 out of 10 will go, she'll be right, I got this, mm. and so see what happens. Um, so you do need to encourage those talented people to give it a crack. Uh, and then I think the other thing that is still a bit weird is that a lot of women are quite apologetic about ambition in case it comes off as either aggressive or unattractive. And that comes up in interviews with people at sort of really senior levels. I was talking to someone who'd be sort of management team level the other day and she was apologised before talking about what her sort of next phase career objective was, which is mental if you mm. think about yeah, it I mean, like, that, what are you doing <laughs> why stop it that shouldn't it. be the way yeah. that that people think i mean there's you know three women in the room sort of talking about this and i think we've probably all in our careers or personal lives had those experiences ourselves and we'll probably can you know continue to but it's just a really it's something that we all know shouldn't happen but it can't change overnight it kind of needs those initiatives like you're talking about sort of being in place to actually change those things yeah and i think you've just got to call it every time you hear it you know not in like a vigilante way like blow a whistle and go that's it (laughs) behavior not in keeping with this movement kind of shit but I think it is just about making people feel comfortable or when they're making assumptions about what they can or can't do based on their perception of of their sort of place in the world than just telling them to stop it really in a in a nice way what about, I guess, the pressure that that could put on, say, the the, the smaller, fewer amount of, of women that maybe are senior, for example, we talk about, you know, a lot of senior women. Um, do you think that puts an unnecessary kind of pressure on those, the few that maybe do speak and they feel like, or do you think it's something they that they need to welcome and embrace more? I think we just need to do whatever it takes to get to the point where people don't notice. 
Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So we need to get to the point where people don't go, oh, it's a woman talking. Do you know what I mean? Or we need to get to the point where, uh, well, we go one of two ways. Either we stop asking working women how they manage with their children or we start asking working dads about how, they, how they're pulling it I off. I deliberately you know? don't ask that question we in have interviews to get because you don't to want it points. to be about the interview to be about that but it's, yeah. it's so often it's an interesting part of of how someone's kind of developed in their career in their profession but it's it's you kind of don't want to be asking that question it's good to turn it on on its head and ask the men how they manage looking yeah. after their kids at the same time well it just it just wouldn't happen you know there That's are a load the of questions i guess it's seen as like a, an amazing feat if you're an md and you're part-time and you're doing this kind of oh how are you doing that what's you know but then i feel like there's also that element i would say of, of curiosity as like to how you know how, how are you doing it yeah um Okay, well, kind of moving on from some of the uh, some of those gender issues, um, looking at kind of some more broader trends in the market and, and in the industry. And I know we speak a lot about media and creative coming together, and there's you know loads of varying examples. Whether it's you know some of the networks making more strategic acquisitions in creative, or for example, uh, publishers' big restructure when they announced all the different things they were doing there. Um, do you, what are your kind of views on this whole creative media? And I know it sounds like something we were talking about it last year, and we, you know, I'm sure yeah. we'll be talking about it next year. But there is a lot of changes going on in that area. Is there, what are your kind of thoughts on that, Emily? Uh, I think look, there are a million different ways to to model it, and every company and holding company needs to figure out their own version of of what works based on their resource and and how that kind of goes. But you know, if we're talking about like our relationship with OMD. OMD is or was born out of half of the Clevenger media department and half of the DDB media department. And then when that went external, that formed sort of OMD and PhD in that, that gang. So we are proper family in that sense. Um, that works from our point of view. You know, Amy and I have always worked really closely together. I think it depends on personal relationships, like all of our jobs, you know, so good client relationships, good creative media. That's all about individuals that trust and rate each other and can have an honest conversation about stuff. I think, it, yeah, it doesn't really matter whether those people are in or out of house as long as you can get access to the right brains when you need them and you can clear some of the sort of individual company agenda stuff aside and just focus on the, the thing that will make the decision is what is going to make the best work work for our client or whatever the business problem is. That's, you know, Amy's sort of MBA touting, super smart, scary smart, and really focused on that end of things. And we're motivated by the same stuff. So I think our teams have definitely got that vibe. Um, yeah, it's just about... How close do you kind of, because, you know, we, we can see some of these network groups and they've got all the creators, all the media, and it's like there's closeness, but then there's kind of integration. Like what sort of level would you, for example, you know, have some of those media agencies working closely with, with, with you guys? You know, is it kind of, are we talking joint, ever joint pitches or things like that? Or is it more of a kind of secondary stage? Like how, how is it, how close, you know, can it get? I could probably find examples of all three you know, yeah. through the through the building. So... A pitch that we've recently worked on for a project was media inclusive. So we showed up as a Clemenger group team and said, well, here's your creative guys, here's your media guys, and this is what it looks like. But that was, you know, sort of definitely a one company response. The TKT model, that's sort of Clemenger group as well, but upstairs is built around media, PR, shopper, creative, all sitting at literally one table in this instance um, and cracking client briefs that way and then we'd have loads of examples through the building of more traditional 
creative media Mm. relationships is there any kind of trend in any of those you know seeing growth in in you know you talk about going and pitching as one company because obviously some of these networks for example are moving towards that is it something that you've then seen internally as a trend uh to be honest we still have quite a big mix and there's no one dominant way of doing it it's really client and business dependent and it depends on you know some of our clients need that global scale yeah and they're getting brilliant commercial value out of global scale so they're not going to dissolve that relationship because they'd like a local team that sits in one office rather than in two you know so it's it's definitely a client by client thing i'm really interested in the tkt model because that must be sort of about 18 months old now as well and it's kind of set up um to sort of handle one one client is that correct or do you want to talk us through a bit about that model and how it kind of how it works and how how it's kind of i guess the results it's delivering well, it was born. Um, it was born for Campbell Arnott's. so that was the the client that was up for pitch at that time. We'd worked with Campbell's for a million years, or not? I can't do the maths on nineteen eighty three or six or whatever it is from now. Um, we'd worked with Campbell's for years, but not with Arnott's, and it was a it was a consolidation pitch. But they wanted to approach the way that all of their agency partners were working differently, and that's where that that model came from. So it was one client really committed to just not being so siloed and getting, I think, particularly probably PR and shopper closer to the centre of all of their their thinking rather than having the creative and media agency sort of set a direction having those guys come in a little bit later. Uh, and it's worked really well from that point of view. But again, at, at the helm of that, you've got five grown-ups that trust and rate each other. Just, their jobs. And... Just getting on with it, you know. Yeah. It's like, okay, great, we need to sell Biscuit A. What are we going to do with this? You know, so it's been it's been brilliant, actually. Mm. And the guys who are running that operation upstairs have done a, have done a really good job as sort of group guinea pigs, I suppose. <laughs> and talking about them as guinea pigs, do you think that there'll be more clients that kind of look at that model and go, maybe that might work for me? Uh, yeah, particularly in FMCG. It's attractive because it takes, I think, a lot of time out of what was a quite linear process with one thing following t'other following t'other and makes that a bit more a bit more strategic and just tighter up front um yeah look it will it will vary we've got some clients who are more interested in building an internal media buying capability and then having us sort of plug in and and feed the beast that way there are a million different ways to to do it really there's no one answer for everything sadly life would be easier if there was but not so interesting yeah. Easier but not so interesting. <laughs> Do you get a lot of free biscuits then? I don't because I don't work at TKT, but I, I believe that upstairs they are swimming in biscuits. Yeah. Sounds Always good. with the hard questions there. Yeah, yeah I like that. Yeah. We are drawing to the <laughs> Start end. Start with an easy one on the books and finish yeah. with an easy one on biscuits. Yeah. I think that's, that's probably a good way to end up okay so you've been listening to the ad news podcast uh, produced at nova entertainment and sponsored by the trade desk we hope you enjoyed the podcast and we look forward to you joining us next time tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts good news ad free listening is available on amazon music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your prime membership Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. 
Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.